0: So is this the birth of modern Al Pacino? Like every performance he's been giving ever since is this? It started with Big Boy Caprice in Dick Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the most influential movie of the last 30 years? Do you
1: think when he did movies after Dick Tracy, he'd be talking to the director and he'd be like, you know, I found when playing Big Boy Caprice that if I yell a lot, uh, things really stand out.
0: It's a good energy for me. <laughs> it's
1: my register. <laughs> All I have to do is ask myself, how would Big Boy do it? That is wild
2: to um, me
0: though. I I think you this is fucking blowing my mind. <laughs> the last 30 years of Al Pacino performances are just different versions of Big Boy from Dick <laughs> Trace. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome to 30 Years Later, uh, the podcast where every week, Chris Chafin and me, Ricky Camilleri, look at a movie from 30 years ago this week. This week's movie, Dick Tracy, which was released June 15th, 1990. In Dick Tracy, Warren Beatty plays the titular detective and directs and produces the movie as well. Before Chris and I get into it and start talking about it, why don't we listen to a little bit of how they marketed movies back in 1990.
2: Tracy! 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 It's like he's leaving my mind. Extra, extra Tracy Battlesman! I'm taking this bomb out of the headlines. I'm rubbing him out. Hey Tracy, watch out. You take Tracy to me. I say we kill Tracy now.
3: You challenge me, we all go down!
2: Gonna arrest me. I wanna know who killed Lip's man bad not the bad, Bitboy, not the bad! I know, and I'm gonna miss you. But all fan, love, and business. Whose side are you on? Side I'm always
1: on. Alright, that was the trailer for Dick Tracy. Um Chris, let's just let's start with first general reactions before we get into specific moments and 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 the and the plot of it. I'm curious what you were expecting when you turned this on.
0: Well, you know, Ricky, uh, I was, I liked this movie when I was a little kid. I thought it was a good movie. I liked seeing it. Um, I actually meant to wear it today. I totally forgot, but I have a Dick Tracy t-shirt that I wear all the time. Um, I didn't have any of the action figures, but I remember it be, I I remember it being something I liked, but I haven't gone back and listened to it or watched the movie in years and years and years. Um, So it was funny, actually, I mean, the first thing, the very first impression I had watching the movie and listening to this trailer just now is you hear that music, right? You hear that, like, really big theme music. And it is actually by Danny Elfman. And, like, as soon as the credits started, I was like, oh, right, this movie wants to be Batman. Like I had totally not picked up on that as a kid, but like watching it again and then reading about it, like, yes, they, everybody involved in this movie wanted it to be Batman. Like Batman had come out the summer before and it like completely changed everybody's ideas of how successful a movie like this could be. And everybody lost their fucking minds trying to make this movie into Batman, which I did, did they did not do. They did not. They did not do to that. The, to the point where there is an, a, a, an actual
1: shot like directly lifted from Batman when Beatty jumps through the overhead, the the glass window in the right, ceiling yeah. with his, with his trench coat on, he literally does the sort of like Batman when he jumps through the, the, the skylight in, in the original Batman. It's like the exact yeah, same shot. I,
0: his giant yellow me, coat is his cape. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, deep thirst to be Batman to me <laughs> reflected upon something that I think is probably going to be the running theme throughout this entire conversation, which is Warren Beatty's hubris. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: like It seemed to me that even though Batman was this massive success the year before, hugely popular movie, merchandise rides, they're making probably making the sequel already. Warren Beatty was like, yeah, but it wasn't made by me. So I'm going to make my version of Batman and it'll be better and it'll be bigger
0: because it's going to star me, Warren Beatty. Um, It's definitely insane. I mean, I feel like when you, direct produce and star in a movie at least one of those things is going to suffer <laughs> and uh it turned out to be the on-screen performance i think it's the thing that suffered i think it's a very well produced and i would even say well directed movie but the lead performance for moran Beatty is awful <laughs> it completely stops the movie anytime he's on screen because he like, he has literally no energy. I don't know what he thinks he's doing up there, but it's like, it's like he's trying to be stoic, but it just doesn't work at all I, because of how he looks. Maybe. I don't know. Like what did you think about that? Warren Beatty stops the movie
1: in its tracks every time he's on screen. I'm not exactly sure. Well, I think you just said it right. He's trying to be stoic or he's trying to be this kind of blank canvas for the rest of the characters in the movie cuz the rest of the characters are so large larger than life both with and makeup he's like the and, hero, and performance you know?
0: so he's like
1: that's kind of his role right is to be like tough yeah but again it's if you watch batman the movie made the year before Michael Keaton is doing a similarly stoic thing but there is more uh psychological motivation for his character and why he wants to be batman there is a sense that he has personal problems that uh, are the catalyst for why he wants to be an Avenger. Um, Mm. And he also has Michael Keaton just radiates a little more uh, dynamic charisma when he's on screen. Like Bate is very handsome, but inarguably more handsome than, than Michael Keaton, but he in no way has any kind of comic charisma Oh, no, 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 none at all. And, entire, and it's called for.
0: <laughs> he and the
1: the entire psychological motivation for Warren Beatty, for Warren Beatty's character, outside of being a detective and wanting to catch the bad guy, which he just wants to do because he's a detective. That's it. He just wants to catch the bad guy because he's a detective. The His personal story is just that it's such a Warren Beatty personal story. Too many women want to fuck him. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It's just that like too many women want to yeah. fuck him. That's, the that's, only...
0: that's just... here he is. He's a upstanding police officer. He's sitting at his desk just trying to do innocently do some paperwork and who should come in but Madonna wearing the craziest dress you've ever seen in your life crawls all over his desk with her ass up in the air and then kisses him. Like he's just he just wants to do paperwork. That's <laughs> his female, entire like... dilemma though. And it's also not even that just women want to fuck him. They want they
1: want him so bad that they're willing to become Criminals for
0: it. Yes. Like literally people will literally kill for him. Like they're murdering many, many people, betraying people that are close to them just to like, maybe get to fuck him. You know?
1: Yeah. And like, I don't know Warren Beatty personally.
0: (laughs) I don't know that much about him really. No, is that a fact Ricky? Oh, you don't know him personally? Okay. But
1: he's a very well-documented ladies man. And I just can't help but think that his story notes that like, I can't help but think that scripts were coming in where it was like Dick, Dick's mom and dad, or Dick's backstory, or Dick's relationship with with, with children, and he was like, no, 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 no. Dick's big problem is that he's got all these girls that want to have sex with him. I mean, come on, guys, you know what that's like. You know, on, it's, it's, have you have
0: we met, guys? I mean, come on. You know, the craziest thing is like. Because, right, it, it has a little bit of that thing that I was talking about in Total Recall where you're watching someone beautiful, like, go to town on him, and he just kind of seems gross, and he's just, like, barely there, but <laughs> in the, it's Madonna, it's Madonna in this case, and you want to be like, oh, that's so funny. But then they actually did go out <laughs> for like mm-hmm. a kind of a long time. So it's like, you want to be like, ooh, gross, like this would ever happen. And no, it actually did happen.
1: Which I have to say, after watching the movie, I went and I watched some clips from Truth or Dare. Beatty, Beatty, in those clips from Truth or Dare is actually radiating charisma, just sitting yes. there. He's
0: intensely handsome he, he seems like a huge movie star just like, yes yeah just sitting in it's a documentary and he's just sitting in a green room by himself and you're just like oh it's compelling it's like very compelling i get to it watch. i get it but watching dick tracy he to, he kind of just looked like a middle-aged guy yeah he was like i know it's it suffers from this thing i think generally where it's like it's it's you know a comic strip from the 30s and we're trying to bring it to life you know so it's kind of got a little bit of that star wars thing where it's like doesn't necessarily you know make sense it's trying to be in this heightened serial comic book universe which it is very successfully sometimes but sometimes it's just like watching warren beatty in a black suit with a yellow tie or was it tie red i forget (laughs) something like that yeah Anyway, he, he, red just tie, like, yeah. he just looks like a fucking dumb old businessman. Like, I get that this is faithful to the comic strip, but it doesn't look good on film. Like this shouldn't be happening. He looks like if Lawrence
1: O'Donnell from MSNBC was going to play a detective in, in in this movie, just sort of like a
0: guy, just a random boomer. Just like a guy, just like an old <laughs> middle-aged guy, you know? And he's just, and he also kind of has the morals of a middle-aged guy. I mean, I know he's supposed to be very like, again, he's a cartoon character. He's very pure or whatever. But he's you know, very like, the him and the movie make Madonna seem evil just because she wants to, she's not even a slut. She just wants to be with Dick Tracy. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, this is gross. I could never be with a girl like you. You wear a dress, I guess. I don't know. Because she's like a chorus girl and she goes out with gangsters. But like, it's very judgmental towards her.
1: Can we talk about uh, Madonna's dresses in the movie, which are oh consistently partial boob revealers like they're so of that particular time where it's like you can just hear men in the audience being like oh my god she's showing part of her boob (laughs) it's (laughs) such a like 1980s
0: 1990 thing to have cleavage out oh my god and they're not just cleavage it's like they they're slit all the way up to her waist and they're all the way down to her waist (laughs) it's like really just Mm -hmm. like a belt amount of her body is covered at any one time Uh, (laughs) but like no i mean i think isn't the first scene that she's in when they when they go to see her in the hotel room It doesn't she literally have her tits out like can you not actually see her nipples in that scene i think you can
1: is that when she's wearing that black thing that black see-through yeah, thing see-through thing yeah yeah she is that when she like, has that line that's in all of the trailers that's like uh he's like whose side are you on and she's
0: like my side no. i think i think that is when that happens yeah but i was yeah. like are those Madonna's nipples? I was like, isn't this a children's movie? (laughs) Which I think this is one of the other big struggles of this movie. Is it, is it a children's movie or is it not? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It was, it was made by Walt Disney
1: and Jeffrey Katzenberg was the executive who put it through. Um, and, they were going to release it under walt disney but then they ended up releasing it under touchstone because they thought it was a little too adult for the walt disney banner but it was the third biggest opening opening weekend for a disney movie at that time i mean, which is crazy but because it's but only like again. 20 million dollars that opening weekend that's fucking <laughs> yeah, not disney yeah. disney opening weekends if they don't make like 150 million now they're like oh that's a bomb
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and also that I mean there's so much to talk about about the production of this movie about three quarters into the movie I just started reading the wikipedia and didn't watch like 15 <laughs> minutes of the movie because it was <laughs> way more fascinating to read but like but yeah so I mean I read in in the wikipedia right that um Beatty wanted it to be more adult like that was one of the things he wanted he wanted it to be like gritty and gangsters and But then obviously Disney wants like a children's movie and they did all this shit. Like they made a bunch of action figures. They made several different commercials for the movie starring the kid to make it look like it was like the kid's story to like, you know, make you want to see it as a kid. And to me, I did. uh, That kid is like famous to me from this, from Dick Tracy because it was such a part of my life. Um, But then it's like, you're watching Madonna make like, dick sucking jokes while her tits are hanging out. And you're like, isn't this a movie for eight year olds? Like what is happening? And also the hero of the movie murders lots of people with a machine gun, which again, I guess that's cool to do if you're in a kid's movie. So
1: apparently he got the idea in 1975, which is not, I don't think is true at all. Uh, But another executive or writer had already had the rights and they were working on it. And the initial Attempt to make it in the late seventies fell through because the guy who actually created the comic wanted more money and art, like artistic control, and they were like, "Fuck it, then we'll, we won't make it." And then, th- which
0: is like kind of a big middle finger to the fucking inventor yeah. of Dick Tracy, right?
1: I mean, it's so it's so Hollywood or to to be kind of like, who cares what the creator
0: of the character wants? We'll make whatever <laughs> we want. All we right, know, we know okay, movies. The- Alright, the movie's canceled then, you old piece of shit. Yeah. We know movies. He knows comics. Yeah, Chester Gould. Oh my God. But then
1: Beatty came back on. Or actually, I think even before Beatty came back on, yeah. uh, there was talk of Spielberg doing it, and then talk of John Landis doing it well, with Clint, like a whole, Yeah. Yeah, with Clint Eastwood, but because of the Vic Morrow accident on Creepshow and Landis's uh rightful <laughs> going to movie jail following that (laughs) instead of, instead of actual jail, which I think it probably should have been.
0: Um, Hey, look, sometimes somebody's head gets cut off with a helicopter. Do you know what I'm saying? Like these things just happen, Ricky. Like what? Oh, someone (laughs) should have been directing what was happening and making sure things like that weren't going to happen. Whatever. Um,
1: That fell through. And then it was going to be Beatty and Walter Hill, uh, who we talked about last week for another 48 hours. And Walter Hill wanted to go in an extremely gritty, realistic direction. And Beatty wanted to do the, have it look like the panels, have all the makeup and uh, that had a falling out. But then Beatty went and spent 3 million on the rights to Dick
0: Tracy. And this is like in 1980s money. So $3 million is like a lot. Which to me, it just seems like it's, Again,
1: it's the hubris of Warren Beatty, right? To be kind of like, I can, I guarantee, and obviously I have no evidence for this. This is purely speculative. (laughs) I guarantee he just didn't want to work with Walter Hill, didn't like the direction, found a way to tank that, and then behind his back went and bought the rights to it. That's like, that's just kind of the moves. If you read about Warren Beatty over the course of his career, he just makes moves like that. That's kind of what he does. He more, <laughs> than, more than perfo- more more than than acts in movies or directs movies, which he does very few of, he just kind of moves and sh-
0: throws his power around. Cool. That's super cool. I mean, well, because it is really unusual. Like, um, the rights for this huge IP, I mean, at the time it was, you know, it's like one of the most popular comic strips of all time. They, they reverted back to the Tribune Company at a certain point. Like, that's how Warren Beatty was able to buy them. And I feel like that's just so unusual for every single for to, to let those options lapse and for how long was it lapsed for like an hour and Warren Beatty bought it or like you know I just I, when I read that I was like oh that's so weird that they would do that because production companies keep these options going forever on things they may never make you know they do that for decades you know well this this gets us
1: to which I don't know if we should talk about now
0: or save it for later
1: but in 2010, Warren Beatty making the Dick Tracy special with Leonard Maltin, which he only made so he could retain the rights to Dick Tracy.
0: Is that why? Because I know he was involved in a lawsuit with the Tribune Company until yeah. like 2013. Is that when it actually resolved? Yeah, and
1: that's why he made that in 2010 was so that if he if he hadn't have made anything, he would have lost the rights. So he made that extremely weird Meta special with Leonard Malton, where Leonard Malton interviews Warren Beatty playing Dick
0: Tracy. Right. So what you have to understand, what you have to picture is it's like it's it's like Charlie Rose, okay? But instead of Charlie Rose, it's Leonard Malton. And instead of like the CEO of Hewlett-Packard, it's Dick Tracy. <laughs> Warren Beatty in character as Dick Tracy, pretending to be a hundred and seven-year-old fictional character. <laughs>
1: And answering questions like this Dick, you've been the subject of so many films We'll even call them biopics yeah. Because they really are about your life And your adventures, if you will Ralph Bird played you Morgan Conway played you and of course Warren Beatty played you Wondering which of these films you think came closest To capturing the essence of the real you Well, are you asking me to pick a favorite? I, I guess I am asking you that Ralph Bird, Morgan Conway,
0: Warren Beatty well, to be quite fair, Mr. Malton, I don't know that it's right to pick favorites.
2: <laughs> I would say, however, that Ralph Bird did have a wonderful way about him. <laughs> uh, he, he, he played me a number of times, and I—I I felt always with a very high level of integrity. You know, you believed him. You—you you could believe that Ralph Bird's mission was to protect and to defend. You know, he was somebody you could trust. Uh, uh, Beatty was—he—he was. was, uh, he, he was uh, he, he was fine. Uh,
0: he was no Ralph Bird, I mean, or, or Morgan Conway for that matter. But
2: I, I will say that the man, he, he looks surprisingly like me.
1: That is Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy talking about Warren Beatty playing Dick Tracy.
0: Dude, this is like ridiculous levels of bullshit. Like <laughs> it's exactly, which is—it's the hubris of Beatty. Ridiculous levels of bullshit, and being so serious the whole
2: time—it's so
0: fucking demented. Like no one. Oh, and you know who? Do you know who
1: shot this special? No, who? Fucking Emmanuel Luzbeski shot this interview between Leonard Maltin and Warren Beatty. Oscar-winning, multiple Oscar-winning cinematographer shot this in 2010. This darkroom interview between Leonard Maltin and Warren Beatty (laughs) playing Dick Tracy. There's this great... I found this interview with Leonard Maltin where he was like, yeah, Warren just asked me to do this. Uh, And then I showed up and all of a sudden... Uh Emmanuel Luz Luzbeski was there and I was really confused.
2: <laughs> well
0: this actually does bring us back to the movie in a certain way because the thing one of the many things that is like this in uh the Dick Tracy movie is they hired Steven Sondheim to write yes. <laughs> like what like six original songs for the movie two of which are just played during montages and are not even like a focus of the film at all you don't even see the, you don't even know the character that's singing them it's just happening and he hired steven sondheim and this is like 1980s steven sondheim so like the absolute peak of being steven sondheim and it's it seems completely unnecessary. Like this is not the Lion King. This is fucking Dick Tracy. (laughs) You don't need like original hit songs from Broadway songstress.
1: (laughs) And also those songs are sung by Madonna who, Hey, look, I like Madonna. There's some great Madonna songs. She's not much of a singer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She's famously not much of a singer. She's a performer. I mean, I can't, I, I really like Madonna actually. And I really love her in this movie. I think she does a great job. Does a better job than Beatty. Oh, I like a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, nothing about them sounds like a Sondheim song. Like there's a very particular way a, a Sondheim song sounds. None of them at all sound like that. Like not even close. They're just like, like he, he probably spent like 15 minutes writing each one of them. You know, they're just very like 1930s pastiche things, you know? I guess the one song that Madonna sings as Breathless Mahoney, the like, sooner or later, you're gonna be mine. That's like a pretty good one. But other than that, like, who gives a fuck?
1: (laughs) And there's a duet between her and Mandy Patinkin.
0: Manny thinking who has like the world craziest haircut in this movie. Yes. It's like it's like he just has one flap of hair going completely across his head, but it it starts in the middle of the top of his head. I don't know if he's supposed to look like a cartoon character. I mean, I guess, but like I mean, I think he is.
1: Every there's multiple characters who are supposed to look like cartoon
0: characters. <laughs> but like he did, but they all have like prosthetic makeup. He just has like a weird haircut, you know? Uh-
1: I felt like none of those songs were memorable, except for the one that you just sang. But even that one was barely. But I will say my my favorite part of the movie is a scene with song where Al Pacino was trying to teach Madonna how to dance. Uh, he's like God, going over the so number with her. Weird. And it's so, but it's like what the rest of the movie should have felt like. It's this one scene where it's idiosyncratic and weird and funny and like also impeccably designed and performed. And it feels like it has a lot of life. Whereas so much of the rest of the movie, especially when Beatty's on camera, is beautiful set design, beautiful
0: costumes, makeup, but totally lifeless for some reason yeah just yeah there's no energy at all when he's on screen and then when you so we've been talking and talking about how terrible Warren Beatty is in this movie and he is but the thing you have to he's playing he's not in any scenes with them really but he's playing opposite in the sense of the movie this insane villain played by Al Pacino and it's Al Pacino wearing prosthetic makeup and which seems to have freed him to just be absolutely screaming at the top of his lungs the entire movie I mean not that that's not what he normally does in a film but like especially in this movie like it's him doing a cartoon like on purpose so he's just there's so much happening when he's on the screen and then it'll cut to Warren Bates like ordering a hamburger in a diner and you're like why is this why is this in the movie but that scene you're talking about the scene where he's so it's uh he's killed off the old boss of the gangsters he's the new boss of the gangsters he's taken the club that the boss gets and the girlfriend that the boss gets and (laughs) which is how it works apparently (laughs) like you just if you kill someone you can take their girlfriend and madonna just is like okay (laughs) the plot of this movie sucks, <laughs> at at best. Oh, it doesn't make. They actually um, supposedly they used part of the novelization of the script yeah, to fill I holes saw that. in the script <laughs> because they were like, "This fucking writer figured some shit out. We got to put this in a movie." <laughs> that writer got the script and was like, "Uh, I guess I'll just okay. I guess I'll just add some stuff here because this doesn't really seem to make much sense. i do not. I'm not sure." Um, but the thing is like so there's this very long scene of the chorus girls and madonna doing this this number and uh al pacino is like like hitting her and telling her how to sing and you're just thinking to yourself why does he give a shit about the floor show at the casino like what is is he is his plot line that he wants to have the best show in town (laughs) like i thought his plot line is he wanted to like get dick tracy be the best crook but then there's five solid minutes of him being like, dance! <laughs> what is happening?
1: That is why I loved that scene so much. I pictured
0: Pacino begging to be able to do that scene. <laughs> because he does not seem to be actually slapping Madonna, like slapping her around. She looks genuinely upset. Like... <laughs>
1: He's so funny in that moment and and he's also with that that hunchback and he's and he's doing little dances. He's like at a, he gets to a point in it where he stops even paying attention to her and the other <laughs> dancers and he's just dancing and performing himself. It's so funny.
0: So fucking bizarre and it's great. It is. It, and it's also like very menacing, you know? So it does do a good job of making him seem like a weird bad guy. Um, So it's good, you know, why, yeah, again, why isn't more of the movie like that? I don't know. Because the rest of the movie
1: is this story between Glenn Headley, who I love, the woman who plays Beatty's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, I think she's so uh, beautiful and interesting looking and has a great voice, Um, but her character is not really given much to do, but react to like the potential infidelities of Dick Tracy. It's it's a real lackluster character. It's very um,
0: weird uh because it's like you can't kind of can't get a read on if they're together or not. Because they seem to be like perpetually about to get married, but when she discovers that maybe Dick Tracy is fucking Madonna, she's just like, huh, well, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, yeah.
1: And she goes home to her mom. There's a whole sh- like montage where like other stuff is happening in the movie and they just cut to her to Tess Heart going home to stay with her mother and crying on her mother's shoulder. But like, they, what I didn't understand was that like, Tracy and her already lived apart.
2: Yeah, so like, it's not, not like she
1: had to move out of the house.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> she just needed emotional support, Ricky. I know you're a rock, you don't understand these things, but like, you know, people need people, you know? And in a lot of ways, those are the luckiest people. <laughs> So the plot of this movie uh is
1: ba- Al Pacino plays Big Boy who's the big who's the 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 big boy villain in the crime world uh modeled after Al Capone originally in the comics and he takes over this club and he wants to take over the gambling racket and that's kind of about it and Tracy's trying to stop him and there's lots of other bad guys and that's really it there's a kidnapping there's yeah, there's, there's a, a kid there's a kid and there's blank face what's 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 the character's name blank face
0: or blank nostrils face, right. so if you guys out there are familiar with the uh batman the animated series movie mask of the phantasm it's pretty much the same plot as that you know
2: <laughs> really
0: um, which i it is actually yeah i mean that's from after this movie came out but uh that's actually a much better movie i would strongly recommend watching batman mask of the phantasm moi <laughs> very well done very well done Um, but yeah, there's this, some, a mysterious criminal named Blankface who's murdering the other criminals and nobody knows who Blankface is or why Blankface is doing these things. And it's hard to figure out the allegiances of Blankface, but that doesn't even come in until like quite a ways in the movie. I feel like it's also who cares that's the movie's
1: main problem is every plot line with the exception of maybe what's going to happen to the kid, right? Because it's a child, he's an orphan. You are kind of curious if they're going to adopt him or take him in, but the crime plot line is so thin and trivial; it just doesn't—it doesn't matter. That's why it's so exciting when Pacino has that moment on the stage. Because if you're going to have a thin, trivial plot, a crime plot, then at least bolster it with big, funny scenes between yeah, those right. criminals, right? Otherwise, we I mean,
0: haven't even mentioned like Dustin Hoffman as Mumbles, who has several scenes hated, of being hated. It's like extremely mm. in ta- like tortured, I guess, <laughs> by Dick Tracy. Um, you, did you hate, you hated Mumbles? Hated Well, I'm not, I'm not, I personally am not a big Dustin Hoffman fan.
1: Um, oh, yeah. And I thought that his Mumbles performance was just, I mean, that is a, that is a kid's, that's like a kid's movie joke. And what is it like? Doesn't
0: feel like a kid's movie. Well, this is the thing. I mean, this is the thing we're saying. Is it a fucking kids' movie or isn't it? Yeah, his his character. I mean, all the Dick Tracy villains have like their name is the thing that they do. So there's Flat Top. He's got a fucking flat head, and there's Mumbles, and he mumbles. That's it. <laughs> he just mumbles. So his performance is him mumbling. Sometimes he's mumbling and he's scared. Sometimes he's mumbling and he's confident. But he's always. Mumbling. And for- and for some
1: reason, he knows, Mumbles knows all of the inner workings of the other gangsters. Yet we don't really see him, or do we, see him even in a scene with no. Pacino and Pacino's no, guys. No, no. But for some reason, he is the, the the stool pigeon that they keep going to to get information about everybody. But we never see him actually working with anybody, anyone else. We just, just see him in the interrogation he didn't want
0: to shoot with anyone else, right? It was like just him and Beatty, and that's it, you know? Right.
1: <laughs> Dustin Hoffman was like, I'll do two scenes. It's yeah, <laughs> I'll do
0: it. Well, that's like fucking also James Kahn is in this movie. James Khan has like two lines of dialogue in this movie. <laughs> he's just in one scene. And you're like, why did why is this happening? What is the point of this? Yeah, he has on a big I think it's a fake mustache. Maybe it's a real mustache. And he, you know, he's dressed like a big cartoon gangster and he's like, I don't think so, Tracy. And that's it. <laughs> no, that's it. Thanks. That's that's a wrap on James Conn. Thanks, everybody. Beatty pulling all of his friends from the Playboy mansion in yeah exactly right it's like hey i'm doing this fucking kids movie it'll be great come out come on out we'll pay you a bunch of money you know and you just like do one thing it'll be like super fun but and then they I get out say... and he's like
1: he's like act more menacing act a little crazy and they're like
0: aren't this isn't this a kids movie and he's like i don't know <laughs> dude i do think that is how every piece of direction was given <laughs> because again i will say the madonna stuff like Madonna is being like way sexier than a person should be in a kid's movie. And I don't mean, I'm not a prude. I mean, I thought it was great. And I thought Madonna did great, but it's like, it's very like odd. Like again, I, I'm pretty sure she has her tits out in this children's movie <laughs> and you're like, why, <laughs> why, why? <laughs> was the only way to be seductive in 1990. have your tits out. Yeah. I mean, it was different than it was more artistic. Um, but to go back to the very beginning, I will say one of the things I really love about this movie is it has these, um, crazy matte paintings that it uses, uh, Oh, in the first incredibly scene beautiful. They're just these beautiful, beautiful. I mean, I, I don't know that I'm going to do a good job describing it, but it's very stylized and colorful. And, but it's like, you see the live action people and you kind of zoom out and it's, you zoom out to the matte painting and then you zoom back in in another place to another live action person in like a different part of town. Like that's one of the big shots in the beginning of the movie. And I was like, "This is beautiful. I think I love Dick Tracy. This is fantastic. If the whole movie is like this, I'm fucking psyched to watch Dick Tracy." And then, no, the no, 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 the movie is not like that at all. They do that like one more time, and that that's it. You know, they created fifty two different map paint-
1: paintings for for the movie. Oh. Um, I think the most famous one was the train where the kid is running mm. towards the train because. They, it was actually like a very small, the train itself that they actually used was like a two inch train or something like that. And the 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 effects that they did it uh, are, are fascinating. But yeah, you're right. Like you start watching the movie and you think if this movie is going to be like this all the way through, this is going to be so much fun. What a beautiful world that they've yeah. created. And then within and what... 10 minutes, you're just kind of confused as to why it's so boring. With all of this technical prowess, you're sitting there going, why is this so boring? This is incredibly well-made.
0: Yeah, like we, you know, it's beautiful to look at. Like, why am I like checking my phone so many times in the <laughs> first twenty-five minutes of this movie? But the, the train sequence that you mentioned, I, I forgot about that. But that it's this beautiful sequence, and just like these map paint, the other kinds of map paintings we're talking about, it's a perfect. Melding of like it's The comic strip but also it's the real World and it's like I It's maybe one of the best executed Things like that like I've ever seen it's so So well done and it's So sad to think that they had Those things and they executed them and they're in the film But then like they, the rest of the film Does not live up to that do you know what I mean like they were Definitely on the right track yeah. in some areas You know but not Not in many it's
1: the areas. one It's the one element Of the movie that actually surpasses Burton's Batman, right? Oh yeah. Burton's Batman insane, yeah. was kind of trying to create this world, was 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 an attempt at this. I don't think as as comic book panelly as 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 Beatty's, but Beatty's Tracy
0: is definitely that on steroids and it and it succeeds yeah. in that one way definitely yeah and you know the other famous thing about it is like the all all, all everything is done in primary colors only all of the costumes and the, yeah. you know the set decoration and you know the cars and everything like that everybody's wearing these very saturated comic book colors there's a lot of people wearing green jackets and hats which you don't see very often you know but there's a lot of people in this movie wearing green jackets um which is cool i mean it's 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 a little jarring and it does look I would say that hasn't aged as well, but I, I I remember at the time in 1990 that this was like hot shit. Like this was extremely cool. And it is like, it has a very like nineties sensibility, I would say. Um, you know, that kind of shit was really popular, like, you know, uh, Hopper paintings. Do you know what I mean? I mean, not that this is like a Hopper painting, yeah. but just like this was where things were at, you know? So I, I think for 1990, it's a home run, but I don't think it holds up, you know?
1: Primarily the 80s and maybe the early 90s were extremely Americana focused.
0: I like This movie, this podcast is called 30 Years Later, and it's, you know, in the 1980s the 50s were 30 years ago like it was yes another reason it was so big in culture it was like it had just happened you know it did not seem that long ago if you were an adult which is always like wild to me to think about because in cultural times it seems like the stone age you know it's it's just and the thing is like al pacino's gangster character he doesn't even dislike dick tracy he keeps he tells other people not to kill dick tracy multiple times and then when he's his big confrontation with Dick Tracy comes out of him trying not to have a confrontation with him. He's trying to buy him off. He's like, look, we can work together. It's great. Which is, I respect as from a logical standpoint, but for like a movie where the villain doesn't have a problem with the hero, it's like, okay, well, I guess the movie's over. I don't know.
2: You know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And even in the end, I mean, I wonder if it was a running joke that they just never were able to execute because in the end, not to skip too far ahead in the plot, although it's the end, I'm skipping all the way ahead, <laughs> uh, P- there's that whole kidnapping scheme where Blankface kidnaps Tess uh, to try to 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 try to frame Pacino. And Pacino, while running with Tess, t- who's who's still tied up and holding a gun to her, is screaming, I didn't kidnap you, it wasn't me, I never would have kidnapped you, I, I wouldn't do this to Dick Tracy. I like Dick Tracy. He's like still doing it, even though it's like, just let him be the bad guy. I get, this is a
0: fun idea, the joke, but it's, it's ruining the stakes. Yeah. It's very much taking you out of it. And also, cause you kind of are as a, as a, like a, I, I am a good boy. I don't know if this has come up yet on the show, but one of the things about me is I'm a good boy and I hate when bad things happen. And so as a viewer, you know that he's telling the truth. Like, he actually didn't do it. And he, he, we have seen him demonstrate that he doesn't dislike Dick Tracy. So you're, I'm kind of rooting for reason. And I'm like, I hope we can avoid violence. And these people listen to Al Pacino. He's telling the truth, you know? like Yeah, he just wants to run a nightclub with gambling. I mean, that's it. That's it, you know? Yeah, okay, he had to kill, like, a couple of people to get the club, but he seems to be pretty much cleaned up after that. Like, Tracy seems to be okay with killing people. Tracy kills so many fucking people. This is another thing I'm saying. I mean, I guess this is like an '80s '90s thing, but the idea that this is a like a, a basically a cartoon for children, and in the climax of the movie, the hero guns down like a good half dozen people with a Tommy gun <laughs> while like yelling, and the guys are going like getting shot with bullets and dancing around. Like, are we supposed to be cheering? <laughs> i mean i guess so you know but that's pretty fucked up if you think about it you know these are human lives ricky like that we're watching and i mean flat top had a, a partner probably had a had
1: a child with someone's mom, brother you know
0: do you think mrs flat top has a flat top <laughs> yes of course yes of course yeah. they all have flat tops yeah and like mumbles his uh, wife do you think she mumbles too know i think mumbles wife it's like in uh parks and rec where jerry has a really hot wife i think mumbles has a really hot wife
1: you know what mumbles has and you know that this is exactly what this movie would do if it ever explored this mumbles wife would be like a serious nag and that's why he mumbles all the time oh yeah right? that would the, be pretty good actually right the yeah. bit would be that she's you know she's like
0: mumbles you know
1: you mumbles, didn't do that. what'd you do yeah and he's like.
0: I thought you fixed the toilet. (laughs) Oh, I hated that character. It was like,
1: I just, I think, I think Dustin Hoffman is uh, kind of, he's got some good parts here and there, but I think he's kind of a show off of an actor.
0: Uh huh.
1: And this, like him playing Mumbles just like two years after Rain Man is a little too, uh, like not taking the character of Rain Man that seriously, even though it won him an award and he's playing somebody that is handicapped, you know? I didn't even (laughs) think that Mumbles was a Rain
0: Man. You're totally right, Mumbles is Rain Man. (laughs) It's just Yeah. He's like he was like, Oh, that's
1: so great that I like presented someone with uh, someone mentally handicapped with dignity and honor. And like, I won an award because of it. Oh, cool. Now I'm going to go play the jokey cartoonish version of that in <laughs> Beatty's Dick Tracy. Or... <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's also part of what we're saying about the movie is kind of obviously like people are doing more Beatty personal favors by appearing in it. So like, nobody's <laughs> doing a lot of work, you know, to like figure out their character or anything. With you the exception the, of Madonna I would say who is looking at this movie as a a step stone a stepping stone in her like star making process like very consciously you know like it like she it was her idea to sing the songs from the movie on her world tour that she was on then you know which i guess she, to like make her more famous somehow you know
1: she had her dancers dress like dick tracy like so- can i ask <laughs> i'm sorry so hold so on. She, what, what if you were went to go see a madonna show in 1989 you're like a 35 year old gay man and the <laughs> or dancers, were you like an eight-year-old
0: boy or something i don't know you know
1: yeah was that the audience like was the audience for a madonna concert an eight-year-old boy and you were like i'm going for dick tracy <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think it was like teen girls i think was a lot of what the oh what, yeah. great it, it makes even more sense that dick tracy would show up then <laughs> You know how, and uh, imagine being like a classically trained dancer and you're like really into your craft and you've got like somehow against the odds you're on this Madonna world tour, okay? And they tell you one day, like you get to do a solo dance with Madonna, just the two of you. And you're like, oh my God, wow. I, you know, I actually really respect Madonna as a dancer. I think this is going to be really interesting. She does so many creative, interesting things. Like what is the, what is the bit? You're going to dress like Dick Tracy and just kind of stand around. It would it would be
1: like it would be like if Beyonce, who was, I believe, in the third Austin Powers movie. <laughs> yes, she was, yes. Dressed all of her dancers like Austin Powers for her <laughs> world tour. So everybody goes to see Beyonce and all of a sudden a bunch of like frilly sixties, you know, guys come running out to like boo-doo-doo-doo-doo doo doo <laughs>
0: And she's, and but then Beyonce's the one who goes, yeah, baby. (laughs) Oh no, she like shakes her butt and they all like, it's it's like a shockwave has knocked them all over. They all fly backwards, you know?
1: (laughs) All of their dances are just interpretations of like a man getting a boner or an (laughs) orgasm. They're just all like... (laughs) interpretive dances uh, for like for they're all like interpretive versions of that moment in the first Austin Powers where his leg kicks up out of the jacuzzi and shakes when he's having sex
0: because she's so she's so sexy as a performer you understand they just can't stop getting theatrical boners the entire time
1: like, do you think during this Madonna tour, one of the dancers dressed as Dick Tracy would go over to the microphone and like at a beat drop in the song or when the song stopped for a 2nd we'd be like, I'm going to get you a big boy and then go back to dancing. And everyone would be like, big boy, what? Oh, right, that's the villain played by Al Pacino in the movie Dick Tracy that Madonna was in last year. In 1990, um, the powers that be weren't that good at synergy yet and yeah, we're just kind of like right. throwing pepsi at the wall whenever they could. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so I think you're very right about that. I mean, speaking of that, like we haven't even gotten into some of the other crazy fucking things about the production of this movie, like the fact that um they spent like 50 million dollars on marketing for this movie when the budget was only like the budget was only supposed to be 25 million, but I think it got up to like 70. And then they spent another 50 on the marketing of the movie. That was why they didn't want to make the movie
1: to begin with, with, with Beatty, because he was known for going way over budget and, and, and doing like 80 takes and just going over all the time. But then he said that he, any overages would be taken out of his fee. I don't know if that ended
0: up being the case. Yeah, right. Who knows? He's probably, probably litigating it until 2018.
1: Like, which he probably knew. And he was like, yeah, sure. Take it out of my fee. I don't know
0: yeah right exactly without like, it's like well i i don't know what's in the contract i mean you know it's different we have a contract but that's for know, the I, lawyers to handle yeah let them figure it out i don't know but like then um they and they uh, like they made so much merchandise for this movie like at the t- you know i i have a t-shirt a dick tracy t-shirt like it's in very good condition they survived to present day i think well. i had one too and then they also had to premiere it Disney world, which I think is so fucking crazy. They had the, the premiere of this movie was at Walt Disney world in Orlando. (laughs) When they were really trying to make Orlando happen. (laughs) I mean, as a Floridian, I appreciated it. You know,
1: do you remember in 1989, 1990, 1988, when you would go to the movie theater and you would get a large soda and it would come in a plastic cup with like a Dick Tracy or a Batman or a Ghostbusters yeah, yeah. logo on it.
0: Yeah. I do I think I had that. a Dick yeah. Tracy, one of those too. And it was weird because it would be like, the movie was not available to see in the movie theater. Like it was, I feel like it was for years afterwards. You would just get a Dick Tracy cup. I mean, which I guess yep. is just, that's how many they made, you know, like that's where that $50 million went, you know? Right.
1: I bet you there's like a village in Uganda somewhere where the kids are just like
0: going into the woods and filling up, water with dick tracy cups still like houses are made out of dick tracy cups and the like (laughs) clothes are made out of dick tracy cups the shoes are made out of dick tracy cups yeah exactly (laughs) this movie it was not a hit uh it was it did well it made it more than remade its budget but um jeffrey katzenberg gave one of his quotes where he was like you know in retrospect probably it was a dumb idea (laughs)
1: like uh Studio stu- <clears throat> Studio Chairman Jeffrey Katzenberg expressed disappointment in a studio memo that noted that Dick Tracy had cost 100 million in total to produce, market, and promote. "Quote: We made demands on our time, talent, and treasury that, upon reflection, may not have been worth it." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's fucking yeah, that sounds exactly like something he would say. Um, it's perfect executive speech. He
1: unfortunately he didn't have
0: a pandemic to blame it on at that
1: time.
0: <laughs> um and this is why there are like 3 dozen Batman movies and there's one Dick Tracy movie is because of this. Like they threw everything at it. It did fine, but they were like, no, never mind, you know, and it's yeah, it's gone. It's gone forever.
1: Yet Beatty wanted so badly to hold on to the rights, just in case he planned to, pr- just in case he was going to produce another movie that he and put this together. That. Special, he says, though maybe we're going to do a sequel. There were no plans. He just wanted to. He clearly just had an axe to grind with so- with somebody.
0: It's fucking ridiculous. I was actually kind of thinking. um, The way he's talking about doing a sequel, I was like, did this come out before or after um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? And, oh, shit.
1: The Beatty special was 2010. I think Crystal Skull
0: was was like 2007, 2008, right? 2008, yeah. So this was after Crystal Skull. Because I was kind of like it seemed like bullshit, but also it seemed like maybe he thought like, oh, we can do this one more time, you know? <laughs> fucking fucking Harrison Ford can fucking be Indiana Jones again. Like, I can fucking be Dick Tracy again.
1: Right. If Harrison Ford can recreate one of the most successful movie heroes of all time, I can recreate one of the most unsuccessful movie <laughs>
0: heroes of all time. But see, you're forgetting the hubris here because the, what to him, it's like Harrison has his dumb guy. He does. I have my dumb guy. I do. It's the same thing,
2: you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it is. And it's like Batman. It's like, Oh, Batman did really well. I could do my Batman and it'll be better because it's mine. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. But I will say Ricky, like, imagine this movie with a different lead, like a different Dick Tracy. And I think you got like a pretty good movie. I think you got like a, I think you got more of a hit than you've got with Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy. Cause I think everything else, a, a lot of the other shit is kind of good that's happening in the movie. I think the script would, I think the script still needed work. It just doesn't, It you still need bigger,
1: bigger scenes with a lot of the other peripheral villains who have incredible yeah. makeup.
0: Um, it just doesn't, it's and a certain you, it stops making sense. I think it's at a certain point it stops making sense and it's just set pieces, you know?
1: Well, it's similar to another 48 hours in the, in the way that it's so much plot for no reason. Right. Yeah. They just keep, yeah. they just keep changing the plot and, and, and adding new things and none of it answers something that came before or adds to the thing that came before. It's just a new, Oh, now they can gamble. Oh, now they can't. Oh, now they're the head of gambling. Oh, now they're not. <laughs> Oh, now Dick Tracy's locked away. Oh, but now he's not. You know, like yeah. they put him in, he Tracy gets framed, he gets put in prison, and like a scene or two later, he's broken out of prison by his buddies.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, Dick Tracy is actually one of the things people talk about as being, like, like legitimately fascist. Like, Dick Tracy is a fascist, basically. Um, and I think you can see it in this movie. Like, he tortures people. He arrests people without evidence. His cop friends break him out of jail when he's accused of a very serious crime. And he they're just like, okay, cool. Now you can do whatever you want. And they give him a gun. And they're like, go get all your enemies, you know? Uh, he is very much like it's law and order at all costs. You know, everybody who's not good gets a fucking bullet in the head. That's
1: interesting because in the, in the special, uh, 2010s, Dick Tracy special, uh, Beatty talks about, I think the creator being more conservative than him. Dick Tracy. I don't know, but you know, (laughs) Beatty is like, Beatty's a very well-documented leftist. Uh, and so he talks a little bit about the creator being conservative or somebody involved with early iterations of No, of, I, I of it, of it was Tracy he was talking
0: about he was talking about yeah Trester, Chester Gould yeah he was talking about him being like really? a, extremely conservative which is true I mean for everything that I know I mean it's you know it's pretty obvious it's like right there on the box do you know what I mean He's like a cop that goes and murders criminals you know and the criminals are mostly guilty of like looking weird I guess
1: <laughs> but again this is Dick Tra- This is Warren Beatty playing the character Dick Tracy talking
0: about his creator being <laughs> conservative. It's <laughs> what is it supposed to be like those Bugs Bunny it's a cartoons where it's like you can see the hand drawing Bugs Bunny. Like is that how Dick Tracy came to life and was able to go to this fucking studio to be interviewed? Like. Oh, we should say the movie won two Academy Awards. Yeah, so this movie actually won three Oscars, if you can believe it. But it won for, like, the things it should have won for. It won for Best Original Song. It won for Best Makeup and Best Art Direction.
1: And Pacino was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, too.
0: It was nominated for
1: seven Academy Awards, yes, and it won three. Of course it was. Beatty is one of those people that if he attaches himself to something, unless it's an absolute disaster, like, it will get nominated.
0: I mean, it's fucking crazy, dude. It's like one of those, it's
1: like those guild things where just like, if he shows up to some sort of guild, everybody, they all
0: go crazy to try to meet Warren Beatty and like see him in the flesh. It's so weird. It's so weird. And I mean, the thing is too, like at this point in history, he's like coasting off of some things that happened 15 years ago. Like he, has he done a good project for like since the seventies at this point?
1: yeah he in the early in the early 80s he did reds oh reds right okay that oh, which yeah, was huge i forgot that was
0: the 80s yeah okay yeah. yeah
1: um and then he had ishtar which was a huge bomb right
0: it's kind of fun it's kind of fun it's kind of a fun i
1: movie. like ishtar a lot there was a plan there were plans for sequels uh and and a, and a and a ride at disney world but because the movie wasn't successful enough they shut they shut
0: all that stuff down mm. That's so crazy. I mean, cause it did do well. It made like almost $200 million, which for the time was like amazing. And it, you know, more than its budget, but you know, you can also see like, you're going to make a bunch of these fucking cartoon movies with this, these colorful gangsters. I don't know. It doesn't, it just wasn't in the national mood. I feel like. Did we talk about, I feel like we keep talk. We kept talking about
1: it being like Batman, but did we specifically talk about that? It's Danny Elfman. Yes. I did say that it's Danny Elfman. Yeah that's just still so crazy to me because he just said, just do Batman again. It is
0: exactly the same music as Batman. It is almost literally exactly the same. Yes. (laughs) which is Like like how did they even, how, I mean, I know it's the same composer, but that other music is copyrighted by some other production company. Like it seems like he's like almost getting himself in legal trouble for plagiarizing himself. You know, like, (laughs) uh,
1: let's, let's check in with, um, With Gene and Ross. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Yes, Ricky.
1: They have two different opinions on this movie. Um, That's why you got to love them, you know? And for the first time in a while, maybe in my whole life, I am on Team Siskel.
0: (laughs) You know, I always liked Gene Siskel, and my mom, I think, actually had a crush on him. What a weird crush. (laughs) Ooh, that Gene Siskel. He's sexy. (laughs) hmm. He really butters my popcorn.
4: The film looks just great. The weakest link in it, however, for me is Warren Beatty as actor who plays a downsized, more contemporary Tracy, even though he's wearing period clothes, a yellow hat, and coat. The film is glorious to look at and a true invention, and individual performers, notably Pacino, are first rate. I just wish the crime story were a little tighter and that Beatty had played, Tracy, is more of a hero. Otherwise, it is a truly original creation.
3: I just want to have one point here. First of all, I don't think yellow hats and coats are period clothes. I think that that period exists only in the Chester Gould comic strip that Dick Tracy is based on. But apart from that, Dick Tracy in the comics and in this movie is kind of uh, uh, something for the others to ricochet off of. Dick Tracy, to me, was always the least interesting character in the comic strip because he was always surrounded by these weird-looking, bizarre creatures. And ever since I first started of going to the movies as a kid i've always loved films that go to the trouble of creating a completely new and original world for their stories to take place in even if it was only a movie about gigantic grasshoppers and you could see that they were only knocking over cardboard skyscrapers that was fun for me because the whole movie was made up and that is the special quality and the special innocence of dick tracy that the sets the costumes the primary colors the backdrop the makeup the special effects all take us into this new world that we've never seen before.
4: Well, it reminds me of uh, Robert Altman's creation for the movie Popeye, where it was more physical set building that yeah. was truly spectacular and created a world. Uh, I liked, in that film, I liked Robin Williams' Popeye. Mm-hmm. Here, I didn't care for Beatty's Tracy, and I'm wondering what you think about that.
3: Uh, I think I know what you mean, and that the character is not real dynamic and the character is not really out there. It's almost as if Tracy. Is the brunt of the plot, and he's the victim of everybody that's trying to pull him this way and pull him that way. Maybe you would have preferred a Tracy who was a little more active. Well, would you? I yes, absolutely. Uh, the movie I mean, is exactly as it's made, and it seems well, to all me that they it, all are. Yeah, yeah, it works fine this way for me. No,
4: yeah, I wanted a guy. I wanted a guy to take a little charge. He's insecure. He seems to be more contemporary. It seems to be more about Warren Beatty than it is about the guy. Well, oh, but comic that's troops. legitimate. I mean, I think maybe it's legitimate. That, That's I just why Warren
3: it's Beatty wanted to make. I just don't Maybe think it's that
4: interesting for that on that aspect I still think the picture is extraordinary as a creation of film
1: how much did you like at the top of that clip when Gene Siskel finishes talking Ebert can't help but burn him a little
0: bit like
1: it's so unnecessary
2: what a dick. What a dick. But Siskel
1: refer- period attire <laughs> yeah Siskel refers to the clothing as, as period of attire fair you know fine it's not really period of attire but it's a stylized
0: version of it. Yeah, right. And Evert has to say, "Yeah, I don't think that's what that is, Gene." And you can hear Gene starting to try to defend himself, but he like cannot get in. You know,
1: I think he doesn't even try to defend himself. I think he just yeah. tries to be like, "Yeah, okay, fine, man."
0: <laughs> yeah, you just hear him in the background. He goes like, uh.
1: <laughs> you know I've, I feel like I have totally been in conversation with people like that before, where they just can't accept." something minor like that and they have to kind of correct or remind you. And you're like, "Uh, fine, you're smarter than me. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: What is, uh, so what was your favorite moment of the movie? I think for favorite moment, uh, it's gotta be those matte paintings. Like I I loved the beginning of the movie. I love that shot I was describing earlier where we zoom out from the matte painting and we pan across the beautiful stylized city and we zoom in on a different part of the matte painting. It was completely transportive. It was completely successful in merging comic books in real life. And it was just like something I had not seen before and I feel like haven't really seen since. And I was like, blown away and very excited about the rest of the movie which turned out I was going to be bitterly disappointed but like you know it felt good I loved it I loved it that one and the train one when, when they do the train one that's so well done it's genuinely scary because this little kid runs in front of a train and it looks so real he's running in front of a train and it, 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 it was great it was very well done you know I feel like the
1: closest thing we've gotten to those map paint- paintings is unfortunately something
0: like Sin City I, I thought you were gonna say Sin City. Yeah, and it is kind of kind of like that, but I would say like better done because it's hand it's like hand done, you know. It's actually Yeah, like it's a not a bunch of CG.
1: Thing. it's not a bunch of CGI. Yeah, right, yeah. I uh totally. I I already said my favorite moment, but I'll say it again, it's Pacino teaching Madonna how to dance. Um so I, I could so I could actually watch that clip on a weekly
0: basis and probably enjoy it. <laughs> He is, I know I already said this, but he's like smacking Madonna, smacking her stomach and like smacking her ass, like and you can hear it, you can hear it, like and every time he does it, she kind of like holds herself there a little bit, and you're like, I think this is really happening. (laughs) Let's do a
1: most 90s moment, because all of the movies we're going to be talking about on our podcast were released in the 90s, so what is the most 1990s moment of the movie
0: for you? Well, not to like be a weasel but I got s- two things real quick like one of them is uh you just gotta say Madonna like the presence of Madonna <clears throat> the way that Madonna is like you're seeing like absolutely peak Madonna you know what I mean she's in like amazing shape she's like really going for it she's like singing she's dancing she's acting and you just you know that this is just a cog in her like star making machine and it's Great to watch, and it's great to see Madonna. It's great to be reminded of what was good about Madonna, if you know what I mean. To see her Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Like, I I understand why this person was famous. Um, And the other part would just be um, the huge amount of commercials and merchandise this movie made me remember seeing. Like, I was just having flashbacks to like McDonald's commercials, going to the Disney store in the mall, uh, yeah, getting Mm -hmm. those fucking plastic cups at the um, movie theater. It was just like, this movie was one of the very early attempts at like complete saturation movie promotion. And like, they decided it was a mistake. I mean, not that they haven't gone back and done it since, but it was just like, as someone who was eight years old at the time, it was like, yeah, I remember this. It worked. Like it got through to me a hundred percent. Was
1: it because we were eight years old that we remember it so clearly? Like, does an eight year old experience movie, movie promotion saturation in the same way Uh at- in 20 as in 2020 as they did as we did in 1990 i don't know because i don't experience it in the same way i don't i don't see the same i mean i know like there's yeah. avengers and marvel stuff but all that was already based on action figures and and, and
0: comic yeah. books i mean you know i you can get a banana at the grocery store that has a star wars character on the sticker for it these days like right i think there is still saturation in marketing like this like definitely we're but just like, so used to it, we don't we don't really bat an eye. It's just yeah, there. And I and I think there was less culture at the, at that point. There was less things happening all the time. You know, there was fewer channels and fewer movies. My uh I thought the
1: most uh nineties aspect of the movie, um and it's even more base than 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 just saying Madonna is Madonna's tits. <laughs> oh my god. I mean amazing, amazing and tits. the way well, not that they're amazing, though they are amazing, but that the movie was obsessed with showing part of them.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Like we were talking about before of like, it was just so rare at that time to see part of someone's tit. Like, yes. it's hard to communicate that to people now, but in in those days to see even a part of someone's tit was like, what? you could, I think you could <laughs> yes. see part of her tit. Like, I, re- I, I distinctly remember my dad
1: you know, being like, whoa, 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 whoa boom, you know, like <laughs> whereas like you wouldn't, he wouldn't, no one would bat an eye at that now because anytime you turn on the TV, you see that anytime you look at your phone, you or yeah. at Twitter, you see that on anything you see the Kardashians or whoever bearing cleavage all the time, Whereas like a movie like that doing it. You, you just felt like
0: like you had like some real like emotions when you said "bearing cleavage." I couldn't quite tell like what your <laughs> what your read on that was, but you definitely were experiencing something.
1: Like, I think it was I think it was the use of the word bear, like just saying the phrase "bearing cleavage." I was I was <laughs> I was unsu- I was unsure of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you because you're like, is that how is that what you do with cleavage? Do you, yeah. <laughs> what, are they brandishing cleavage? Or they like <laughs> exposing? Exposing yeah. sounds right.
1: Rattling. Um, so this movie is 30 years old this week. What do you think this movie has grown out of? Oh, you know, for me, what I think this movie has grown out of is having a character whose sole uh flaw is that too many women want to sleep with him. Even James, even James Bond at this point has this deep backstory, right? All yeah. of the new Bond movies over the last like 10 years have to deal with his mom and all these other, the villain has a very personal connection with him. Whereas with Dick, this movie it's very much connected to that period of time where the main hero was just a guy that
0: women wanted to sleep with and he got the bad guy. And that was it. Well, you know, he's got to stop the bad guy uh, because he's a good guy. And like, that's his motivation, you know, like full stop. Yeah, no, you're totally right. If this movie came out today, there would be like, we would start on Dick Tracy as like a child and we would see him be the victim of some kind of crime. And maybe him and Big Boy were best friends in the old neighborhood, right? But then they went on different paths and Dick Tracy's enforcing the law and Big Boy's trying to be the king of the underworld, you know, and it's- Honestly, Chris, honestly, I want to
1: see that movie because that would make- (laughs) It would make Big Boy make so much more sense in this movie for why he keeps saying how much he likes Dick Tracy.
0: Like, no, we're friends. You you and me, Dick, we're best buds. (laughs) Maybe there would be a specific incident from their past that we kept flashing back to and seeing more of and seeing it from different angles, you know? (laughs) And by the end of it, we would learn maybe Big Boy wasn't such a bad guy after all. And maybe there's a very poignant reason he's called Big Boy, but then he would still die at the end you know, but him and Dick Tracy would have a moment of like respecting each other.
1: You know, he was originally called big boy because he was based off Capone, but Pacino didn't want to go. Pacino didn't want to make him fat. Uh, And apparently the makeup and the costume design is mostly Pacino's idea for what he thought big boy should look like. But I do think in this. Rewrite of a contemporary Dick Tracy, he would be fat. And at the end, when he, he would die heat style in tracy's arms you know like de niro right, yeah yes, being, definitely being held by pacino at the end and he would look at tracy as he was dying and he would say remember when we was when we was kids they all called me big boy because because of my weight you never did dick you never did and then yeah. he
0: die. yes yes i love this i fucking love this yeah definitely and but it's like i don't know if that would necessarily be like a better movie like it's but that's just how we make these action movies now it's like that's our idea of what is a good action movie is like everything has to be like really motivated you know but it's like at a certain point like you know this fucking guy is just like driving around in an old car and shooting people with a machine gun like how much motivation does he really need the well audience yeah it's not here for his character they're here to like watch a fucking steam room blow up I guess like that's what the oh filmmaker my. thinks
1: well that's the other thing about the movie right is it's so cartoonish that it doesn't feel like there are any stakes and he injects no character into Tracy to elevate those those stakes and he would, nothing feels grounded because he no. thinks I think and again I'm speculating based off of his performance that he felt like if he grounded Tracy's performance down to to what he did that would be the thing that raised the stakes that Tracy would be so realistic and or so naturalistic, whereas everybody else was wild that that would be the gateway for the audience to like pin their emotional stakes on, which it just doesn't work. It just flattens everything instead. Cause it's it just too work. much of
0: a juxtaposition. And it's, it's also, I feel like it's so weird. Like every time there's a scene with Warren Beatty, it's almost like, it's like he he's not like lit properly and he's like weird. He just doesn't seem to fit in the frame and the way that he it, the editing isn't really doing him any favors and it's like isn't he the vain director of this movie? Like why has he allowed himself to look so confused in every scene that he's in? Like I guess he must have thought he was doing a good job, you know? I guess he must have thought that what it was good. I wonder if he's not a I wonder if he's not a vain director.
1: Like he's kind of the opposite of Ben Affleck in this movie, where you watch a movie that Ben Affleck directs and it's like, okay, in this scene, um, I'm just gonna be shirtless and uh I'm gonna
0: be thinking about how to solve the problem and then I'm gonna solve it. <laughs> you should really like pant like okay i need somebody to wet down my pecs and i need to if you get <laughs> it needs to be at exactly this angle so my pecs look the best okay <laughs> it's for the but it's for the audience you understand like if this is what they paid to see like they want to see this you know
2: yeah no, i and wish
0: seen Warren baby as in he's wearing a giant suit and like standing at the back of the room under a bright overhead light going like hey <laughs> <laughs> um
1: one one last thing, which is the, la- the the last scene of the movie where he gl- gives Tess the ring
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: is such a strange scene because it, again, is that all she wants is whatever he wants. She'll marry him or she'll just stay with him if he wants to stay with her the way that things are. And then he gives her this ring at the end, but he doesn't even really have it in him to propose. So he just kind of throws it at her and is like, you're all right, kid.
0: And then takes off.
1: (laughs) And she's like, oh my god, I love it!
0: And also the whole thing of the entire movie, when it comes to their relationship, has been he doesn't make time for their relationship. And like, uh, anytime something comes up, he runs off and to take care of it, and he doesn't make time for her, and that's part of why she has left him. I mean there's breathless, but it's also this this is the other reason she's left him. so at the end of the movie they're have they're at the diner they've gone to a hundred times. he's just proposed to her, and his radio starts crackling and You might think that he would turn it off and they would like kiss or something like that's how a james Bond movie would end, and that is literally how a James Bond movie does end, but instead, she just kind of gives him a look like. I know you gotta go do this, Dick, and he just runs out again. Like you're saying, without actually even proposing to her,
2: like which is basically like,
1: so,
0: so their conflict is not resolved. Their conflict is not resolved, you
2: know.
1: Or in Beatty's mind, it's resolved because she has acquiesced to what he wants. It's so gross. Right? It's because so in gross. the fi- in the last moment of the movie, she's like, "You're gonna be you," and like it. It basically ends on her understanding who he is and who he's going to be and him not having to do any work for her
0: whatsoever. (laughs) Nick Tracy has no arc. He doesn't change at all. He doesn't learn a single thing. He just like other people around him under just get to understand him better like (laughs) that. But it's like, understand what he is a cipher. Um, fucking murderer in a trench coat. You know, he's like fucking Harrison Klebold. Final
1: thought, I wish this movie was a more fascinatingly flawed movie because there is such great stuff about it. I wish it was almost a little worse at times than, than the sort of mediocrity that Beatty brings, brings to it because if it was just a little bit more of a misguided movie, it would be more fun to watch. But it ends up just being
0: kind of flat and dull. Yeah, I mean I definitely think it starts off very strong and then like I've said by about 3 quarters of the way through or half of the way through, it, yeah, it just becomes a real slog and you you don't care what any of the characters are doing. They don't seem to care what they're doing and like you said they keep changing their motivation like in the middle of the film over and over again. You know, I guess my my wish would be as, as bad as the plotting is and stuff like that. I I do I do wonder what it would be like to have another <laughs> actor in the role of dick tracy i i can see this movie being good with a like a young charismatic person like keanu reeves even you know somebody who is flat and has no affect but at the same time just kind of has is watchable in a certain way you know who'd be great you know who'd be great right right now
1: who it's so obvious Gosling would be pretty great.
2: Yeah, I thought you were going to say
0: Gosling, yeah. Well, it's kind of like a right? uh, Blade Runner thing, right? Like he's like a yeah. detective, you know. And his whole thing is he, he is stoic. He's, he's very good at being stoic. But-, but
1: I will say he could also play – there are moments where Tracy is trying to play comedy in this and Beatty kind of blows it, whereas yeah. I
0: think Gosling could actually – handle those jokes a little bit more oh my god gosling and like with the kid oh it would be so cute you know he would have such a cute energy with the little kid you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: oh or and him. tess tess could be played by emma stone no oh, beautiful beautiful and then you'd have to have for um breathless it would have to be like like ariana grande or like somebody like a like another like a like a you know i mean it doesn't have to be a pop star necessarily but it has to be someone who you know can bring it, it who has some pipes and also like big sex energy. I don't know, maybe like a TikTok person is there... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think I don't even I can't even think of yeah, I think
1: Ariana Grande and like one other pop star or what I know.
0: Like I, I Yeah right. Yeah right. Who Robin? Who? It should be Robin. <laughs> pink. It should be pink. <laughs> it should be pink. Um who would play who would play Pacino or play uh, big boy? I don't know. I think it would still be Pacino. I think he's still doing those <laughs> <his> parts. <laughs> and who would play. Oh, maybe uh, like Michael Shannon. Maybe Michael Shannon. could. Yeah. Be the...
1: Mike, Michael Shannon is a great idea. And uh, and then there's a bunch of other peripheral characters that I don't know. Flat Top, who's played by William Forsyth in in this. I mean, who cares who would play Flat Top? I think you got to you know. got
0: to bring in the whole, like a whole school of like uh, comedians to play all the other parts in a, in this movie. Like you know be, like, who would play all Flat the Top? The Judd Apatow guys, or like all <laughs> the like Thomas Middleditch and like Ben Schwartz and like you know those like Kumail Nanjiani and like that whole Jason Manzukas like all those people. <laughs> um yeah so do you have any uh, other final thoughts any final final thoughts uh no nope no no i don't i was fine you know it was fine i don't know Uh, it was definitely not a movie i had watched and i don't have any plans to watch it again (laughs)